you. Coming off of Easter, uh, it's a great reminder of the truth that we have, that we've been given this life. And that's really the series we're diving into. I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and if you're a guest with us, it's a real treat to have you here. I know it takes courage coming to a new place, and we're actually, you picked a great night to be here because it's a shorter sermon, so good on you. Um, and we have a party afterwards, and so double good on you. So uh, it's a great week. We won't have the party next week, but we'd love to have you come back. Um, so uh, tonight, I want us to kind of dive into this series called Life, and it's looking at some spiritual practices that will help breathe life into you, that you ha- might have the best possible kind of life. And I don't know anyone that says, I don't want that. <laughs> I know people that are frustrated by the life they got. I know people that are frustrated and, and aggravated by the things that are unfolding around them. And I know they have dreams and aspirations of something better. And oftentimes, we'll, we'll sit and we'll talk about the words of Christ, and we kind of walk through that, and we kind of look at the wisdom that the, the Scriptures are kind of put on display for us to see. But in this series, I want us to see something beyond just the words. In fact, I want you to see some rhythms and some practices, some habits, if you will, of the life of Jesus and the life of his followers, that as you begin to practice these, Anyone ever uh, grow up in sports? A few of you. Okay. Uh, how many of you did not grow up in sports? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, so uh, it was a great time, a great experience. I, I grew up doing that. And here's what I always heard. Practice makes perfect. Okay, so you've heard it too. So maybe it worked with you know crafts and things like that if you're an artist. I don't know. Okay. Um, but practice makes perfect. And in a lot of ways, sometimes we, we think it's just about knowing more about Jesus or knowing more about the Bible. And that has a lot of truth to it. There's a lot of wisdom that we should know, we should grow, and we should learn. But sometimes it needs to be actually practiced and lived out in particular ways. And so we're going to kind of make our way for the next few weeks, walking through some scripture passages in in the Bible that kind of highlight some of these rhythms, these practices that Jesus called us to, that he modeled, and that all the New Testament writers kind of said, these are things that you need to hold on to, because they're important. You know, the last phrase is, let God breathe. It's, you know, in in the beginning of humanity, he breathed, and we're here. Humanity exists because of that, because of God's life that he breathed into us. And along along the way, we got uh, off course, we made our own decisions, and then what we celebrate in Easter is the fact that God breathed again. And he said, life is found. You come to me. In fact, what we're going to look at is, you know, some people ask you know, well, how do you how do you live life with God? That's a phrase we use a lot around here. We want to help people take steps, first steps and next steps into life with God and help them begin to discover what that is. Some people try to figure out, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean I just show up to church? Well, no. Yes, but no. Does that mean I, I, I'm supposed to like read the scripture more and, and like meditate on that? Well, yes and no, and it's not just that. Is it? Is am I supposed to be connected in an e-group? Am I supposed to be living life with other believers? And well, yeah and no. I mean, that's how do you have life with God? How do you describe that in a sentence? Well, I think it begins with faith, and then you follow. If I had to boil it down to a sentence, I think it's that. 
it all starts with faith. In fact, we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, this is one of the verses we say a lot around here, it's by grace that you've been saved, through faith. This is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast about it. It's this faith of coming to a place where you say, you know what, I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm tired of trying to, to navigate and steer life on my own. I'm trying to work my way to God. It's just, I never know if I arrive. I never know if I get this right. And I feel like I take three steps forward and then 15 steps back. And I'm just always a mess. And the plight of humanity is to get to a place where you realize that you need a Savior. That you get to a place where you recognize maybe it's not just about what you can do and about what you can create, about what you can carve out on your own and what you can aspire to and what you can chase after. Maybe it's about what someone did for you. That God breathed again as he sent his son to say, I'm going to make a way, a way for people to have life with me. It's by grace that you've been saved, through faith, not by works so that no one can boast about it. It's this free gift of God, is what Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus. And he's saying, this is what it's about. It always starts here. That's why we're celebrating tonight in a few minutes, uh, five or six people that are going public with their faith of saying, hey, I've come to a place where I've chosen to be a follower of Jesus, and I'm putting all my eggs into his basket. Everything I've got, I'm going into what he did for me and what's already been done. It's not about what I do. And I'm letting people know that I'm following Jesus who came and who lived and who died and who rose again on behalf of me, that I might be rescued. That's what we're going to celebrate tonight. And in fact, I would throw this invitation out. Uh, I know it's cold. I get it. Um, but I got an extra shirt, so we'll figure something out. So if like you've never been baptized and you've come to that place where you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and the leader of your life, and you want to go public with your faith, then I can't think of a better night than tonight. And then we'll feed your face, okay? We'll, we'll give you popcorn to warm you up. So just throwing that out there, if, if you're still game, you're interested, you could be a part of that. This is about stepping forward and saying, I have faith in Jesus. That's where it starts. And then... I think in this sentence, it's about having faith in Jesus and then following Jesus. I think if you boil it all down to a sentence, that's what it's about. It's about followership. Maybe I wrote this. It has less to do with our performance for Jesus and more to do with our proximity with Jesus. I think living life with God is not about trying to perform for Jesus. You don't have to perform for him. He's already given you all the grace you'll ever need in your entire life. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what the resurrection points to. That's the hope that we have. But now it's this invitation. See, the invitation Jesus gave to his followers way back in the first century and in every century afterwards, simply this. What did he say? Follow me. That's an idea of knowledge, of learning. It's an idea of of gaining some wisdom and some insights, but what that was was literally what that is. Follow me. That means to actually follow. You see where I'm going with this? That it actually means that you begin to walk the way he walked, to talk the way he talked, to kind of live life, view life the way that he did. You begin to look at some rhythms and some practices and how he actually lived this life not just stuff he talked about, but how he actually expressed life. And when you begin to practice this, maybe you begin to find yourself aligning more and more with your Savior, 
more and more with maybe a better way to live life. That's what this series is about. I want to look at a passage tonight uh, briefly, Matthew chapter 11. It's one of the most famous passages in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is kind of looking around and he addresses something that's going on in the situation that is around him and the people group that he's witnessing, the people that he understands that are caught up in a lot of religion, caught up in a lot of um, stuff that they're doing in the day, trying to work their way, earn their way to God. And he has this revelation, he kind of expresses it so people might hear it. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 11, toward the end, look at verse 25. At this time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and from the learned, those who think they have it all together, those who think they know it all. The wise and the learned, you have hidden these things, and you have revealed them to little children. You've revealed them to people who come. And I know some people knock faith as it's a crutch or this idea of a simple faith. Well, that's just, that's idiotic, we hear people say. Well, it depends who your faith is in. If your faith is maybe in yourself and what you can achieve and what you can acquire, what you can accomplish, well, maybe that is because I don't know about you, but I've failed. I've faced setbacks. I've, I've messed up. Anyone else with me? But if my faith is in something stronger, something bigger, something better than me, then maybe not. You've revealed these to little children. He goes on. Yes, Father, this was your, what you were pleased to do. Do you ever think about that? That God gets a kick out of simple faith. That this whole idea of Christianity, this whole idea of following after Jesus, and some people hear it and they go, wait a minute. So you're telling me a Savior came on my behalf, that he lived this life that I could see, and he died in my place, and he rose again that I could have life with God? It's that simple? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Pretty amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? Because you think about religion in general. You think about the systems or the, uh, the things that are put in, the structures that are put in place for religion, and there's so much weight that goes with that, right? In fact, that is what Jesus is addressing in the next part of this passage. He's looking around to a people who are heavy burdened with this weight, who have this yoke, he uses the word, upon them that's kind of this, this burden that's put upon them to, to hold them back and to, to keep holding them down. They never quite know. How do I live life with God? How do I even get to God? How many things do I have to do in order to get over the hump so to speak, that God would find, uh, would find me and welcome me and be pleased in me. Well, I guess I don't know if I've arrived yet. And so there's all this effort. In fact, he goes on and says it like this. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and to those to whom he chooses to reveal. So the Son is sent here to reveal, right? Then he goes on. And he looks at these people who are burdened down with religion. And he says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. One of your passages might say tired. Let me ask you this question. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever been spiritually tired? I have. Just exhausted. You come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden 
is light. Jesus begins to put on this uh, this invitation to say, I want you to come to me. It wasn't come to a system, a belief system. It was come to a person. He's personified the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. It is always Jesus. It will always be Jesus. That's who it is. It's the center of everything. It's him. It's a person. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religious system or structure that's put in place. It is always about Jesus and all that he's done for us. See, in order to take up the yoke of Jesus, you've got to put down the yoke of religion. In order to carry the yoke of Jesus, which is easy and light, you've got to set aside a yoke of religion, of you trying to work your way to God's pleasure. Work your way into his presence. And I know that sounds churchy for some of you who maybe been around church for a while, but I want to speak to you in particular because that's speaking to me. I think the longer we're around church, the more we want to pick up the yoke of religion and, and carry it around for some reason, thinking that that makes us better. No, no, it just makes you more tired. It just makes you more exhausted. The beauty of the grace of Jesus is that it's easy and light and that it's a gift that you don't earn it. Now, does that mean uh, when you accept Christ that he just hands out an easy button to you and, and like says, hey, here you go. And now you don't have to do anything in life ever again. And people are like, hey, you want to come to my Bible study? <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that. Um, does that mean like a tithe? I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, you know, just that, does that mean that I don't have to act or express my faith or to live my faith out? If this is about living life with God, how do I do that? Well, it starts with faith, and then it's about following. It's this simple, highly relational invitation that Jesus has given throughout centuries, all down the line. You come, follow me. In fact, the, the key passage in here, the key wording I want you to hear, that's for this entire series, is this, when Jesus said, you come to me and you learn from me. Learn from him. What does it mean to take on the yoke of Christ? Well, a yoke, uh, I think I have a picture here, was something that was put over uh, oxen, and they would pull this together. And they would be harnessed into this plow, and they would pull this field. Jesus, as a carpenter, would have fixed these all the time. In fact, often in the Old Testament, when you hear, uh, see the word yoke, and you look at that, it's actually about this incredible burden that's put on the people, and it's always seen in a negative light. It's in this passage right here in Matthew 11 where Jesus kind of redeems this a little bit. And he's looking at a people who are super tired from religious activity but they are missing the experience of having life with God. They're having life around God, and they know a lot about God, but they're actually not experiencing life with God. And there's a drastic difference. It's huge. And Jesus says, you come to me, not to a system, not to a performance review, not to activities that you need to do, and you do these five steps, and then maybe, maybe God will like you. You come to me. And you take my yoke upon you. See, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It doesn't mean it's insignificant 
or that it doesn't matter. What that means is his yoke is easy is because he's with you, carrying it right beside you. That you never have to carry the load of life alone again. That's what that means. There's two places in a yoke. One animal, another. There's not one. And so Jesus says, you come take my yoke upon you. And we're in it together. And we're going to carry the load of life and what comes your way together. That's why my yoke can be easy is because you're not here alone carrying this weight and this burden by yourself any longer. We are tackling life and how it unfolds for you. And I want you to learn from me. My burden is light. That's why Jesus, I think, summed up the entire Old Testament. Remember when he said, someone was asking, what's the most important commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus sums it up. He says it's not about all these regulations. See, the pharisaical system that was in place in the first century was, here's the law of Moses. You need to do all these things. And now we're going to interpret all these things, and we're going to add extra interpretations upon it. So much so there's like 613 laws that went there. You try to figure out and live life with 613 laws. You can't do it because you don't know which ones you're never breaking or which ones you are breaking or which ones you're ignoring, right? And that was the religious system of the day. And so Jesus is saying, you take my yoke upon you. You've got to put down the other yoke of religion. And you've got to take this yoke of relationship. That's why it's always been about faith in Jesus and following after Jesus. It's not about systems or structures. It's personal like that. It's this idea of this metaphor of what he's calling us to, to be yoked with Christ, is to pull the load of life with him. We are invited to learn from him. I wrote down this principle here. Spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder. It's about training better. It's not a matter of just me trying to to ramp up the effort and try harder every week after week after week. It's just about training better. And maybe it has less to do with performing for Jesus and more to do with proximity with Jesus. How's your walk with Jesus? How are you doing at following after him? See, spiritual practices are about me becoming better aligned with Jesus. Anyone ever driven their car when it's out of alignment? And you're the one driving down the road and like you're leaning this way to try to keep it in the middle of the road. And other people are like, you know, freaking out because they think you're going to they're you're going to come into their lane. If you do that long enough, you wear out tires, but you also wear yourself out mentally trying to make sure that, okay, this is normal, but I actually have to steer it like this to be normal. And it's weird, right? If you've ever had that experience and maybe spiritual practices that we can engage in, that we can begin to practice as practice makes perfect. As we begin to live that out, we actually become into better alignment with Jesus. Uh, John Ortberg wrote a book that we're kind of using as part of the, the basis for the series called The Life You've Always Wanted. One of my favorite books of all time. In it, he says the, these words. Following Jesus simply means learning from him how to arrange my life around activities that enable me to live in the fruit of the Spirit. It's arranging my life around activities that help me live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. How do I do that on my own? Well, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. We're going to do it together, so I'm not alone. And then how do I begin to actually practice and put myself in situations where I can begin to live this out? Here's the bottom line for tonight. 
Practicing the life of my Savior with my Savior helps me live more like my Savior. If I practice the life I see in Jesus and I get to do it with him, then I actually get to experience and have more life like he had. I get to live this out and experience this. So I begin to train, train myself better, not try harder to live. And so what would it look like to begin to train around the idea of prayer? We're going to look at that next week. What would it begin to look like uh, to train myself around slowing in life? And whenever you feel like you're on a roller coaster in life, that things are zooming past you so fast that you're missing life sometimes, or that you don't react like you wish you would react because you're ramped up all the time? What would it look like to begin to slow or to practice solitude, to pull away a little bit? And what does that look like for a mom of toddlers? Different than someone in their 50s, okay? It just looks different. But the practice of it can be there. What does it look like to practice servanthood that we see Jesus live out? What does it mean to practice celebration the way Jesus did? Well, we're going to talk about it. What does it mean to begin to to look into scriptures and to reflect upon the scriptures and to have them be kind of harnessed up with you in your heart. Well, Jesus did that really well, didn't he? Yeah, he wrote it, but he did that. He practiced that. And you can too. And the point of this series, where we're going with it, is some spiritual practices that will help you have a better life. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus. And so that's kind of where we're heading the next few weeks. And I would invite you to be a part of that journey with us and to learn from it and uh, to speak into it, to let us know some things that you're experiencing as you begin to practice this. As our coaches told us, practice makes perfect. Now, does that mean I'm going to be perfect? No, I'm not, by the way. Um, Does that mean you're going to be perfect? No, but you get better. And that's the point. So kind of that's where we're going these next few weeks. And I just want to invite you to, to figure out, maybe take a hook on something you heard tonight and say, okay, I, you know what? I maybe have made this about trying harder instead of training better. And that seems to make sense and resonate. Maybe, maybe I can figure out little simple ways in my week that I can begin to train to live better, to have this life with God that I've been invited into. And if you're here tonight and you're kind of coming back to church, we are so excited to have you here. And I think this might be a series that, uh, A, would help you see Jesus a little bit better, get a better understanding of who he is. And I think at the end of the day, may get you to a spot where you can make a decision about what he's inviting you to do, to have faith in him and to follow him. And so tonight, we're going to celebrate baptisms here in a few minutes. We're going to close with a time of communion, close with a song here, and then we're going to go party. We're going to have a great time. Uh, and for many of you, who are the five or six of you that are getting baptized tonight, we're so excited for you. We as a church family want to celebrate you going public with your faith. Also, again, simple invitation to anybody that wants to. We'll figure out how to keep you warm. Um, and so if you want to do that, come talk to me after the service. I'll be right down here. I'd love to talk with you about that. Uh, We're going to move into a time of communion as our our band comes back out. And we do this every week. This is an opportunity for us to kind of take a pause in life and to to anchor ourselves. Jesus gave us two two things to do. One was baptism, because he modeled that. And he said, I want you to do this. Then he also said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Speaking of communion, this idea of taking the bread, taking the cup, and remembering his sacrifice, of re-anchoring ourselves to that. Not about religion, it's about what he 
has already done for us. It's about this relationship I've been invited into with the person of Jesus. As I seek to follow him, I'm to remember the grace I've been given in him and through him. And so as we move into that time, I just want to pray us into that. And then we'll end with a worship song. And uh, I'll dismiss this out to the night. We're going to have a great time tonight. And uh, I'm excited that you're here. So, Father, um, we do take a, a pause to remember that there was no easy button at the cross. That was literal. It was tough. And it was a decision that you made. And our name was in the forefront of your mind when you made it. In fact, I want you to take a minute and just picture that. That Jesus was looking at the cross. And he said the phrase, I love, and you put your own name in there, I love enough that I'm going to choose to do this. Because I want them to know that they can have faith in me. I want them to know that they could follow me, that they could take my yoke upon them and walk life better. So Jesus, as we hold that bread, as we take that cup, as we do this as remembrance, I pray that you just stir our heart as we worship you in this song, as you make beautiful things come to life out of the ruins of what lay around us. You breathe life. You always have. You always will. You're the one that we can come to. And Jesus, as we celebrate tonight outside, those going public with you and faith and baptism, just having a good time and celebration. God, we recognize that celebration is important to you. You had your people do it for years because you wanted them to remember. So would you just guide specific new conversations and connections with people tonight? Jesus, we love you. And we remember you. And we worship you.